The start of a new year brings new beginnings. Here at Tiffin University, the new school year has already brought new faces. Welcome to the Euphoric Collective. My name is Dustin Pfeiffer, and with this podcast, we'll be covering the new and exciting developments within the music department and around the university. On this episode, we'll be talking to Mr. Drew Parent, the newly appointed director of bands, and Professor Seth Lowry, a new vocal instructor. Starting off the show with Mr. Parent, I had the opportunity to speak with him about his journey that brought him here to Tiffin University. So where did you start off as a musician? Well, I started playing piano when I was about seven. Um, I only stuck with that for about six months and uh, kind of quit. Piano is not an instrument that you can kind of pick up and play a tune right away. Um, I'd say it's one of the harder instruments to, it takes to, you know, actually feel like you know what you're doing on it. And, uh, I was kind of impatient child. (laughs) So I, six months and I could only play, you know, your basic nursery rhyme, you know, beginning piano stuff. And I, I wanted to rock, you know, I grew up in a household. My mom had a ton of vinyl and was always blasting the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and, um, Jethro Tull and Genesis and and I wanted to be that you know I wanted to rock so tried the piano thing I quit after a minute um, and then I, I begged my mom to let me play guitar so she finally bought me a guitar and I got in lessons and uh, you know it, it, it'll all come back to why I like to teach and everything but uh, it's pretty funny I, I got in lessons and I ended up quitting lessons after a little while because I didn't want to play what the teacher was teaching me. Um, you know, we were learning basic stuff, but I wanted to just play power chords and alt rock. You know, I just wanted to be Nirvana. <laughs> you know, I wanted to be uh, Stone Temple Pilots. I wanted to play that stuff. And, um, you know, learning row, row, row your boat on guitar, it just wasn't cool to me. And I didn't want to do that. So I, did the lessons on guitar for a few months and then I ended up quitting and just kind of teaching myself um, through tablature and, and all that kind of stuff and playing along with CDs and recordings. And then I got to middle school and I started playing saxophone and band. And, uh, you know, that, that was fun. Um, my cousin actually played saxophone as well. So that's kind of why I was steered into that direction because we had one. And uh, I actually, like, I really wanted to play drums in band. And uh, my mom kind of just said, no, we're going to do the saxophone. And I said, oh, okay. So I went through middle school playing saxophone and band, but I still played guitar and uh, was in some bands in middle school and playing guitar. And then I got to high school. And after my first year of high school, uh, I had a friend who was on the drum line. And uh, the drum line at my high school was really good. And they were big. Like they were, you know, 10 snares and five quads and a bunch of bass drums and cymbals and real flashy, you know, and I saw them and I just, man, I want to do that. I want to do that. So I begged my mom after my freshman year of high school, let me try being in the drum line. So she said, okay. So I, uh, got some lessons that summer and then sophomore year I, I played on the drum line and, uh, the rest is history. I just kept playing percussion and, you know, now obviously after, uh, college and everything. I mean, I'm still teaching percussion. It's my main main instrument. Um, I still play some bass guitar and some regular guitar, and you know, I dabble on the piano when I when I have to. Um, and of course, all the percussion instruments that I've learned over the course of my career, um, all that stuff. But that's kind of been the progression as far as like me getting into music. And it was definitely in high school when I kind of decided that. I wanted music to be something I did uh, pretty exclusively. And when I first got to college, my mom kind of had me convinced that I should do something else and the music thing would be, um, you know, my fun thing. And I actually, I was going to, at first when I went to college, I was going to be a nurse because it was at this time, early 2000s, where the medical field was really booming and uh, 
male nurses specifically were in high demand. So my mom said, you should be a nurse, you know, great benefits and good pay. And I did that for about a semester. And after I took my first like experience class where I found out that I had to, you know, clean up people's stuff uh, and give shots and do all that stuff that I actually just hate myself, uh, I said no. So I went the music route and haven't looked back. So that's pretty much been the progression of that. So coming out of um, what you've been doing on your personal work, what made you want to get into the educational side of music? Well, um, I always enjoyed teaching. Even in high school, when I was in the drum line, um, as the younger kids would come in, you know, we would teach them how to play our cadences and all that kind of stuff. And I always enjoyed that. So I always kind of just liked working with people um, and teaching them stuff. And I think it was just like that, you know, seeing the light bulb go on and they get it. And, you know, knowing that you kind of helped them through that and seeing the excitement that they would have was kind of the first thing. And then when I went to college and I eventually started majoring in music, you know, it was either the performance route or it was the ed route. And um, the school I was at at the time, uh, my undergrad is from Saginaw Valley, which is in, up in Michigan. The ed part of the school was much more, you know, had a firmer base than the performance side. And there was just more people going into ed, so I just kind of went that way. And, um, I just, you know, I started taking classes and they had us go out into the schools and teach music to elementary kids and teach music to all kinds of grades and different things. And, and that just made me want to continue teaching, um, because of just the joy of teaching to the different age groups. I mean, it didn't matter if it was elementary, middle, high school. I just liked seeing their reactions to playing music and, you know, cause especially young kids, you know they're doing math and science and they come to music class and then it's something different and it's fun. Um, I'm not saying that math and science isn't fun for all you, uh, math and science people out there. But, um, you know, it's always as a kid, like going to music class and singing songs and playing instruments. It's, uh, you know, and when I was in school, I mean, going to band was my favorite class. You know, I loved going to band. I loved the kids. All my friends were in band. And so I just kind of, felt I was drawn to that area and that I needed to give back all the experiences that I had. And, um, so that was kind of what drove me to teach and I've been doing it ever since. Um, and I went on to do graduate school in at central Michigan university. And that was a performance degree. That wasn't an ed degree, but I still taught a lot. And, um, since I graduated, I've just been basically teaching middle through high school or middle through college, middle school through college students, privately ensembles um drum lines you know teaching some classes so and then now i'm here at tiffin teaching the bands marching band concert band um, word on the street which is a small ensemble Um, i don't have any classes right now but um, i definitely like being the director and doing the more instrumental side so Okay, now going back a little bit, where'd you start off um, as you graduated college um, from Central Michigan? What did I do, like, right after that? Yeah, like, where'd you start off? Did you have a job that you went, like, straight into, or how was it? Because I've heard that it was kind of hard for people who graduate with music degrees to find jobs after college. You know, um, it is. I mean, a lot of the work that you get right out of college, um, if you're not, if you're in education... And you, and you want to be a band director or a choir teacher or an elementary music teacher, um, you know, obviously with those degrees, you get out and you just start applying for jobs and hope that you get one. And I've had a lot of friends that get a job right out of college. And I've had a lot of friends who didn't and then maybe like went back to school and got their master's or just took some time and worked another job and, um, you know, just kept applying for for jobs eventually one came along um and i've had people get out and apply for jobs uh, friends of mine and they just got sick of applying for jobs and not getting a job and then they decided to do something completely different with their life um but i'm sure that happens in all professions um for me after i got out of grad school i moved to detroit because i had some friends there and i had a couple 
kind of smaller gigs lined up playing and teaching. Um, I still had to get a part-time non-music job to be able to pay rent and all that kind of stuff. But um, I moved down there. I worked at a couple high schools, taught lessons, uh, played drum set uh, in a few groups, gigged out, and uh, did that for about two years in Detroit. And I finally landed my first teaching gig uh, at a small college over in Indiana called Trine. And it's a small private school, much like Tiffin. Um, And they had a music department that was pretty young. And they hired me as kind of like the assistant director slash music theory teacher slash percussion teacher slash jazz band director. So I just kind of got immersed in all these different responsibilities. But it was great um, for my first experience because it kind of gave me even more tools to have once I left there. Like, oh, I can teach this group and I can teach this group and I have experience doing this. And um, great group of students. Um, really enjoyed working there. And then I met my wife, and she lived in Toledo, so I ended up moving to Toledo. And while I've been there, since I've been there, uh, my first few gigs there were at some high schools teaching some drum lines, and um, then I ended up getting a job at the University of Toledo, teaching drum line there and some classes, and then went on to eventually work at Bowling Green State University and some other high schools, and then now I'm here at Tiffin. So it just kind of was, um, you know, I, a lot of it was life changes. You know, I got a job in Indiana and then I met my wife and Toledo kind of just had more going on. So I moved to Toledo and got jobs there and then uh, eventually landed here in Tiffin. So. so you've been saying it. So I'd like to congratulate you on making it to Tiffin University. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm really enjoying my time here. Um, I love all the students. You guys are all good kids, and um, so far, I feel like you all just give it give it your best. And you know, when I when I tell you to run, you say how far, and when I tell you to jump, you say how high. And you know, as a teacher, that's that's a big thing. You know, for us, it's just like to have students that you know enjoy what you're giving them, because then you feel better about it. Um, and you guys definitely have already shown me that. So. So how did you hear the word that there was a looking for a new director here? Well, I <laughs> I wasn't really necessarily looking. I actually, um, it was about to be my second year at Bowling Green. Uh, and I was I really enjoyed my year there. I uh, made some great friends and colleagues. And um, I was just about to start actually another job, <laughs> which... Rich Dubler, if you're listening to this, I'm really sorry that I didn't make it make it through to the the, the year here. Um, but I had actually just gotten hired at another high school to kind of be their full time percussion guy um, in Otsego. And the summer rolled around, and I again I wasn't really looking because I already kind of had a full plate. But since I've been out of school, you know, I've been very much a private contractor in my work. Um, I've never just worked for one institution. I've always had multiple, um, sometimes six at a time. Um, a few high schools, a couple colleges, plus my own private lessons and playing and things like that. And, you know, I've got a couple kids now and I have a house and a wife. And, you know, f- for the first 10 or so years of my career, you know, being that kind of contractor, uh, professional musician, you know, working at a bunch of places and whatever was okay. And, uh, I've in the last couple of years just kind of started to think, man, it would be great to have that one gig, you know, the one focus, the one place that I go to every day. And, you know, it's the same students every day. And, um, I can really kind of pour more energy into one thing. So, I was just, I mean, I'll, I won't lie, it was like 12 o'clock at night, like in June or something. I forget, maybe like late May, or I don't even remember when I applied. And I was on the OMEA, Ohio Music Educators Association website, and this job was up there. And I won't lie, you know, a director of bands position, you know, usually wasn't something I wanted. Uh, I always kind of, even though I had a degree, I always kind of told myself, I just want to teach percussion. That's all I want to do. 
just drums. And so I looked at the position and, you know, cause sometimes those director of bands positions, it's kind of like, you know, director of bands, plus you can teach percussion and whatever. And I thought, you know, maybe if it's that, that's cool. So I looked at it and I didn't really know much about Tiffin. So I looked at the website and researched it and right away, I was really compelled at what the school was offering and their majors and, and everything. It's, it's a different school than I've worked for anywhere. Um, being that it's more commercial music based, less edge, edge, uh, music ed and performance based. There is performance, but it's not like your typical, you know, we don't have an orchestra. We don't have people studying violin and to want to be in a professional orchestra, you know, um, we don't have music ed, so we don't have people that want to go out and be full-time band directors. Um, but what we do have is really hardworking, talented individuals who want to make their mark in music in some way. And I think that's awesome. Um, whether it be playing or writing music or whether that be in business or recording or beat making or anything, I think that's, that's cool. And something that I've think that a lot of music institutions are are doing is that they're not providing their students with the right amount of information and just kind of know-how on how to get out into the real world of, of music today and make it. Um, you know, there's so many different tricks you should have in your hat as far as like getting gigs and hustling um, for gigs and getting students um, you know, owning your own recording studio, just tons of different avenues. I mean, you know, I've done a lot of gigs and jobs that I never even thought I was going to do when I was in school or that I didn't even know was out there to do because I just got them. And I always think about if I had just had a few more classes or something that, you know, talked more about the profession of music and what it's really like when you get out there, I think I would have been more prepared. I had to learn a lot of it like on my own. So seeing that Tiffin was that kind of a school, um, I just said, that's, that's, that's where I want to be. I'm going to apply for this job. So I did. And you know, the rest is history. <laughs> a couple phone calls, a couple interviews later, and here I am. Um, and you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say it's it's right where I want to be as far as an institution and my colleagues and my students. It's 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 right where I want to be. <laughs> so being in the position that you're in now and having the background that you've had that has led you here, what kind of I guess word of advice could you give to a young student right now that's out trying to do the same thing or something similar to as yourself? I would say take every opportunity that you are presented with. Uh, even if it's something that, you know, Hey, I need, I need help running a sound at this gig. Can you, can you spare an evening and come help me out? And maybe you're someone who isn't even into live sound. Go do it. You know, you might find out that, man, that was a lot of fun. I want, that's, you know, that's something I, I want to do. And being a musician, you can do multiple things and running sound for people is, quite a lucrative gig if you're good at it and you can land a good job. I mean, we just had, what was his name? What was the gentleman's name in Convo the other day? Uh, the guy who, he ran sound for a lot of people. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm really bad that I, I, I don't remember. <laughs> Shows how much I pay attention. Uh, it was a great uh, talk, though, that he gave the students um, about how he landed his, his sound gig. I mean, he didn't even really plan on doing that. And now he does it professionally for people all across the country. And he goes on tours and uh, makes really good money doing it. So you never know what's going to come of any situation, right? And maybe you go do the gig and you say to yourself, I really didn't like doing that. So I'm never going to, I'm not going to spend any more time doing that. Um, but you never know who you're going to meet. This industry is a lot of word of mouth and who you know. And if, if people like you and they want to work with you, they're going to hire you. I mean, that's just like a huge part of it. 
some of the most successful musicians aren't necessarily the best players, the best writers, the best performers. Some of the most successful musicians are the people that go out there and just put themselves out there and they're nice people and they are easy to work with and they're fun and they put on a good show. And, um, so yeah, just taking any opportunity and not limiting yourself, you know, if you say, I just want to do this, you know, that's great. That, that could be your focus, but have some other stuff up your sleeve, find some other things in music that you enjoy doing. You know, if you're someone who wants to be a performer and you say, I just want to perform cool, really spearhead that, but you should probably learn a little bit about recording so that you can record yourself or maybe a friend of yours that is willing to pay you to record them. Learn some live sound stuff. Learn how to put on a show and book bands because you might want to put on your own shows, but you also might be able to make money booking bands for other shows. So obviously in my position, you know, I have one job, but even with this one job, I do a multitude of things. I mean, I'm directing the marching band and that involves in itself you know, I have to call people constantly and book things and order different music and, you know, make sure that we have what we have for game days. So I, you know, interacting with a lot of people. So I have to be good at that, good at communication, um, speaking in front of large groups of people. I'm also going out into schools and working with those students and, you know, doing the recruiting slash just getting the word out about Tiffin. So I have to be good at that meeting new students and um, I have to arrange music for ensembles. So I have to be decent at arranging and I have to write drill and I have to, you know, be able to play multiple instruments myself to be able to play with people. So it, it's very rare that you're in any music job and you're only doing one specific thing. So if you have it in your head right now that you're just going to do that one thing, you know, you need to just maybe take a look and um, open up your horizon. That's what I would say. Because you never know. An opportunity presents itself and it could whiz right by you. And it could have been the opportunity that landed you that, that gig. You know, that could have been the gig. So take it. So let's talk a little bit about um, your position here as the as the director of bands here at Tiffany University. The director. <laughs> um, <laughs> what or what direction are you planning on taking the band in the near future? Well, uh, I have some ideas. I will say that this year, you know, I have really told myself it's going to be a year for me to get to know the school and get to know the students and get to know everything that I'm surrounded by so that whatever I decide to do or that we decide to do or anything, you know, it, it's, it's for the right reasons. Um, I wasn't going to come in here and just do things because that's how I thought they should be done or, you know, what I want them to be. I mean, I do do that with a lot of things, but my first year, I definitely, just want to get to know everybody, get to know the school and kind of see what direction it should be going in. Um, it's hard to know when you're new because you haven't been around. So that's kind of what I plan to do this year. Um, I think obviously growth, you know, I would love to have another 30 people in marching band. <laughs> um, so I think, I think growth is probably my number one priority right now is just trying to get more people in band um, so that we can just have, you know, with more people, it's easier to do a lot of other things, um, hard, harder charts because we have more people to play and um, cooler drill because you have more people on the field and things like that. So that's probably my number one thing. Um, I'd say eventually... I want to incorporate more of the music department into what the marching band does. Uh, I know that's been done here in the past, so I want to kind of bring that back, but also continue it, you know, through halftime performances that involve, you know, different ensembles, um, doing different arrangements of things, choir stuff, maybe some instrumentalists. Um, 
so that we're always not just a face of the marching band and the and the football team, but also of Tiffin music. Um, I think that's probably most of what I can say right now. I don't. Um, again, it's only like a month into the year, and I, I told myself that this year I was just going to really get get the school in my head, and so I don't know. Who knows what ideas I'll have in a couple weeks. <laughs> I know that we talked a little bit um, personally before, but we're kind of changing a few things around as far as like just like um, the way bands have been arranged before. So like how we're on the street, we're kind of changing our genre here a little. Right. Well, so word on the street, uh, which if anyone's listening to this, you don't know what that is. It's a small ensemble that we have here at Tiffin. Um, that is kind of the primary instrumental recruiting ensemble that goes out and plays at a lot of schools and does public performances. Um, and up until this point has been more of a traditional jazz type of group. Um, and when I got this position, you know, I was told by the director of the music department here, Brad, you know, I can make it what I want, you know, but there is, you know, we want to make sure that the group is easy to get around and, you know, has a good instrumentation and things like that. So I myself am not super well versed in trad jazz, um, old timey jazz. I'm just not, that's not my thing. So I kind of sat down, okay, what can we do that I know a good amount about and still have a fun experience for the students? And just, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was funk. (laughs) Let's, let's, let's do a funk thing. Um, and with, you know, I think it's really hot right now on uh, in the scene, like with Scary Pockets doing all their things and Wolfpack and Corey Wong. And there's just a lot of really funky stuff out there, even Snarky Puppy. Um, so I basically took it in that direction. Um, you know, we're going to have a basic rhythm section, uh, guitar, bass, drums, maybe some keys eventually, and a horn section. And uh, probably going to add a singer as well. So, you know, yeah, going to take it in more of that funk um, horn section, you know, screaming horn lines with a lot of sass kind of feel, if that that kind of explains it. Well, Mr. Parent, I'd like to formally um, again congratulate you and wish you a successful year and here on out future here at Tiffin University. Thanks, Dustin. Thank you. Go green. <laughs> and now we'll be talking to Seth Lowry, a professor here at Tiffin University that has a specialization in vocal instruction. So let's start off by talking about where you're from. So I am from a number of different places. I uh, My family is originally from Western Maryland and Western Pennsylvania. Uh, my mom's from Pittsburgh. My dad's from a place in Maryland that you've probably never heard of. But it's uh, it's near Cumberland, Maryland. Um, um, but I've actually lived most of my life in the Midwest. Uh, I've lived in northern indiana for five years when i was a kid and then most of my life i lived in a small town called kankakee illinois it's about halfway between chicago and champaign um we moved there um for my dad's job he's a professor as well and um he was teaching at a nearby university and uh so yeah, I lived there for a while, just lived in Virginia for a couple of years, um, finishing grad school, which I guess is what uh, led me uh, led me here to Tiffin. I, uh, I got my master's degree this year from Shenandoah University. Um, the Shenandoah Conservatory is the spe- specific part of the university. Um, we like to say conservatory because it tells people that we are um, artsy-fartsy when we um, like so, so if I say I got my degree from a conservatory, they're like, oh, so not like a regular degree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I got my degree in voice pedagogy, which um, 
I will go on to explain because most people I have to explain it to. But um, pedagogy is basically just the methodology of teaching something. So I actually had a boss who had a PhD in pedagogy, and that was just about learning in general. But this was specifically voice pedagogy. So it relates to singing uh, specifically. It's a music degree. So um, the cool thing about Shenandoah's uh, Master of Voice Pedagogy program is that it's the only place where you can specialize in either classical music or CCM, which stands for Contemporary Commercial Music. Um, So basically your commercial styles, pop, rock, jazz, um, R&B, all that kind of stuff. Um, So the program itself was based from a very functional standpoint. So really just understanding a general knowledge of the voice, different different um, methods and practices that can elicit a specific result and then matching those to a tonal goal. So I wasn't just in classes with people who were doing CCM. I was in classes with people who were also doing classical, which was pretty cool because then we kind of got around this whole idea of really style-specific ways of teaching and got to the stuff that was really embedded in what research shows us and what we know to be true about how the voice works. Um, It was great getting to sing all different kinds of stuff in my voice lessons there. It was great to um, get to do, you know, popular styles of music for my master's recital. And, um, yeah, it was it was it was a really good experience, um, and I, that's actually kind of how I got connected with Tiffin. So at Shenandoah, we have um, this summer institute for voice teachers. It's called the CCM Voice Pedagogy Institute. It was started a while ago by um, by Edry Means Weekly, who is one of the professors, but um, Jeannie Lavetri was. a a former professor at Shenandoah, and she actually was the one who created the term program that's offering it as of right now, Um, at least at the graduate level. Um, So the people who have been teaching it so far typically have a background doing something else and then have learned on their own how to do it. I feel that it's been... It saved me some of the mental heavy lifting of trying to merge those two things together from having already studied this music in an academic setting. So having already taken lessons where I was, you know, using a microphone, singing pop and rock, um, doing all that kind of stuff, you know, for a grade in the same room as my professor, um, kind of gives me a sense of, it gives me a starting point for sure for working with my students. Um, and I, I think that uh, it makes this transition happen a little more cleanly. I think we're moving to a phase where CCM is starting to come to more prominence in the academic world um, because we're trying to, you know, meet market standards and that's you know a style of music that a lot of people want to study they want to be able to go to college for it but the programs that are out there are um well there there just aren't enough so um yeah uh it's good to be from a program that's producing a lot of these voice teachers there there's kind of um some people who come out of the program with the idea that they want to kind of make change in the academic world and pursue an academic career. To do that requires a doctorate and finding a doctoral program um, that will be friendly to that type of study is sometimes a challenge. Um, And then there's the other side of people who are kind of like, well... 
we don't need to be embedded in the world of higher ed. We can, and, and I think both, I think both sides are equally valid, but there are some people who are trying to promote this in, you know, the private sector and start their own studios. That was actually my plan before I was offered a job here. Um, I, uh, had applied to so many different places and, um, and um, it was nearing the end of summer, and I was um, thinking that I uh, thinking that I would be moving back to my hometown and starting a voice studio there. I had all the plans figured out. I had looked into creating an LLC um, with long-term plans of starting a nonprofit interdisciplinary performing arts studio there, but. Um, yeah, it, the appeal of being an independent studio teacher is that you don't really have as many hoops to jump through. You get to kind of just work with people that are interested in doing it. But coming from a family where my dad is a professor and having, and even when I was a little kid, before he was a professor, he was a doctoral student. Uh, it, it's just academia is very close to my heart. And um, I'm very drawn to the opportunity to be a part of it. So kind of to diverge from that, aside from being a vocal teacher, um, yourself as a vocalist, what are some of the things that you've done that have also helped you out with your, um, your journey so far? Well, I think one of the things is I feel very fortunate to have had opportunities to perform in a lot of different styles and a lot of different idioms. So my first singing that I did was with my family. Uh, we're from Appalachia, so we, uh, we were a singing family, and we would go sing Southern gospel music at churches, camp meetings, nursing homes, stuff like that. Um, and we did it mostly because it was something that we enjoyed. Um, and I, you know, so I grew up getting to sing harmony with my sister all the time, which was super fun um, and just kind of embedded in a musical family. Um, when my immediate family moved to the Midwest, it was a little bit harder to make that happen with the extended family because of the distance. So... Um, I kind of then was, you know, in school, I was, I was a band kid. I was a total band kid. And I, um, I would, I, when I got to high school, like about halfway through high school, I started doing choir again and I had been singing at church and stuff. But, um, when I got to college, I, um, my, my main experiences with voice had been a little bit of choral singing singing a bunch of like gospel and contemporary Christian music and then um and being in a bunch of musicals which I did in high school I kept doing musical theater in college but then as a vocal performance major there was the expectation that I would do classical singing which I actually really really liked um I I really love the um like I mean I could talk about like my favorite composers and, and all that kind of stuff but um I got to like be a soloist in like orchestral works like Handel's Messiah. I got to be in musicals. Um, my university had a touring gospel ensemble that I auditioned for and traveled with for three years. Um, and, uh, and then I also sang with a jazz combo. I was in a choir that did a variety of styles and, um, and, and so it was just very, and then, you know, I would have the occasional gig with friends doing like pop songs and like, like earth, wind and fire stuff. And like all, all that kind of like really fun stuff that people want to hear at parties. Um, <laughs> so getting to do all of that side by side, I felt like I really had an opportunity to be centered in who I was as a vocalist. Um, I got to hear my voice in a lot of different ways and the way my technique developed, uh, 
was in such a way that I would be able to make that switch. I would be able to go um, sing this Rossini aria with the orchestra and then pop out and go to a jazz combo rehearsal and then and then pack my bag and, and travel to you know, small town in Michigan to sing at a church that weekend for the gospel ensemble. And so it was, um, (laughs) it was, it was really enriching. Um, and as I've been performing in other ways, you know, in grad school, I, I did jazz gigs with my friends all the time. I, um, was in a couple of the operas that they had at the conservatory, and um, I, just other musical events around campus. I liked to be involved in lots of different ways and just to kind of use my voice. So I, um, as, as things as things currently stand, I, uh, you know, am still making connections in Ohio to try to get the, the gigs going again. But um, I, uh, I don't know. I, I just kind of continue with... The opportunities that present themselves. I try not to limit myself. I think I'm too young to do that. Um, I, I, and you hear people talk about different approaches. So there'll be, there'll be people who will say, well, if you want to be the best of the best, you have to do one thing and just be the best at that one thing. And, um, I think that that makes sense. That makes logical sense to me, but I've also seen some people follow a kind of natural progression where, you know, you start just seeking out the opportunities, just sing, just do, do what you're going to do, like (laughs) find the performances and start performing. And if one area starts to take off, then you pursue that. Um, I've seen that work for people. I've seen that be a very enriching way to start your career. One that is maybe less likely to cause burnout. I don't know. It, it depends on the person, but that's such a big issue because it's so difficult for performers, you know, being in, so, you know, let's say I were a young person living in Chicago, I might not be able to find enough gigs in one idiom to keep things going if I limit myself to that. But I know plenty of people who are out in Chicago and they'll be, you know, in a musical and then they're do they're singing with this like country band and then they're doing a soul gig the other night and they're, they're you just you have to have a diverse skill set as a performer early in your career unless you're going to um you know take these big risks and you know have to limit the number of things that you're doing as a performer but for me I I've known since I was like I think about three years old that I wanted to be a singer Um, well, I mean, you know, when we're kids, we bounce around a lot of different like career Mm -hmm. goals. So like, um, I remember I was listening to, um, I was, I remember I was like four and I was in the car with my mom and I heard Shania Twain. I really, really loved Shania Twain as a kid. I feel I need to mention that. I really loved Shania Twain. She's great. Anyway, um, so we were listening to Shania Twain. She came on the radio and I told, that was like the first moment when I realized as a child that the voices coming from the radio were like real people. Like real people were making those sounds um, rather than, I don't know what I thought it was. I didn't think it was anything I was for. But I um, but I, I remember... I, it dawned on me that there were people that did that. That was what they did. And and I told my mom, Mommy, I want to be a country singer when I grow up. And, you know, we had a discussion about that. And um, it was, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was really interesting because it wasn't until I got to college that I really, um, that like, it really kind of clicked for my family that um, music was, I guess, the right decision for me. Um, You would think that coming from a family of musicians that it would be easier, but I think, and these are just my own like thoughts and, and 
feelings. You'd have to ask them to, to know exactly what they feel. But um, I think for them, it was that since everyone did music as a hobby and kind of found that to be a suitable way to meet their need, it was maybe hard for them to understand me wanting more than that. Um, so, but I, um, yeah, I, I've, so I've known since the time I was a little kid that I wanted to be singing. And so I just have sought out every opportunity to do that, whether it's in a musical, being in a choir. Um, I, I have, you know, been singing as a church musician. Um, and I've done everything from like directing small choirs that do like a variety of stuff to singing, you know, classical soloist stuff at like really liturgical churches to like singing gospel and like, and, and, um, and that's kind of how I like it. I, I, um, I enjoy getting to kind of step into different areas and to really see how that goes. And then when I go to write my own music and um, it, I find that I'm able to draw from a more diverse set of ideas than if I j were just kind of embedded in one thing. Okay. And then going from your own personal um, experiences with gospel music, with jazz, with classical um, singing styles, is it something that you try to promote towards your students as well? So, so if I'm understanding correctly, you're, do I try to get my students to kind of branch out? Yeah, just a, you know, versatility or just for building technique purposes and learning experiences. So that's, yeah, that's a really tricky question. Um, and it's, and it's an ongoing discussion for, for voice teachers that are out there teaching, um, CCM. Um, there was kind of this mindset for a long time that in order to sing anything, you had to be able to sing classical music, uh, because classical music was quote unquote foundational. Um, we are currently moving away from that type of idea. Um, there are a lot of really useful things in how classical singing is taught that I will use when I'm training singers. However, um, there it's a vastly different skill set. So that being said, there's also kind of a there's also kind of this um and I think it, there's this kind of maybe ethical issue of do you force people to sing stuff that they really hate singing? And I don't think there's like a definite answer to that question. Um I think it's a little bit different in a university setting where they're meeting an academic requirement versus, you know, me being a private studio teacher, they're just, they're paying me directly to be here and it's their time, you know? Um, so my students here, I don't, I try to be as clear as I can that if there's something they absolutely hate, we, we will find something else that will teach them that skill that we're trying to get them to learn. Um, I do tell all of my students that I want them to do at least one thing that's going to help them branch out, that's going to, you know, expand what they're doing. Um, even if that's like taking a country song and, and doing your own version of it, like in an R&B type of idiom or, or something along those lines, um, I think it's really enriching, but at the same time, you've got to kind of let the artists do what the artists are going to do. Um, and that since that was a conversation that we kind of had while I was in grad school um, and I was learning more about being a voice teacher and all that kind of stuff, we kind of talked about the, this idea of cross-training, that it doesn't necessarily need to be across stylistic lines, but it has to be diverse skills. So if I have a student who really wants to sing soul and the way they sing it tends to be really 
like heavy, they're really going for it, and then they're not able to do anything like lighter than that. I'll I'll often like point them to like a jazz standard or something that that would help get them into that lighter type of singing, but isn't totally unrelated from what they want to be doing. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to make any students sing like Roger Quilter art songs if they don't want to. If they want to, great, but um <laughs> but they they don't they don't have to do that. So being here now at Tiffin University, um recently getting your position here. First of all, congratulations on that. Thank you. What are some of the things that you can see yourself or things that you want to do or goals that you've set for the future? Um, well, right now, I think my, my main goal is to try as much as possible to connect with my students and making sure that they are staying tuned in, that, that they're, um, making the best progress they can. I am currently teaching more students than I ever have at one time. So I'm also trying to grow as a teacher um and you know being out of school it's like immediately you start you immediately start the process of becoming out of touch with the things like in your own field so i've been looking at like um i've been looking at conferences to go to um trying to get access to like journals and stuff um i've i've also been looking into like some different um voice competitions ways to do that and um, things that would keep me performing. But ultimately, um, I would love to, I would love to be at Tiffin working with students on maybe some more advanced voice stuff. Um, I, I know a number of students have expressed interests in being voice teachers. So give being able to give them um, a, a little bit of, um, a little bit of a framework for how, how to do that, uh, especially because that's my field, that's my area of expertise. I would really love to be doing that. Well, I hope that you can see out your goals and thank you once again for taking time to talk to us. Sure, sure. Seth Lowry and, uh, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the premiere episode of the Euphoric Collective Podcast. I would like to thank Mr. Drew Parent and Mr. Seth Lowry for taking the time to speak to us. Also, the Tiffin University Music Department for making this possible. But most importantly, you, the listeners. My name is Destin Pfeiffer. And as always, have fun, stay safe, and always remember that even the biggest dreams can still come true. And I'll see you back here next time.